0: It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the got live diverse. It's the lens, it's the lens, it's the, lens, it's the lens, live diverse. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Lens Living Diverse, a podcast which gives individuals with sight loss and other identities the opportunity to speak about the unique experiences about many, many, many different topics. And today, I will be your host, Ben. I am uh, the advocacy, accessibility, and community engagement guy. I hope you all know me by now. And today we have a really awesome episode. We got, we got a wonderful guest in Ali, and we are going to be talking about racialized masculinity and just all the factors and have like a nice, candid conversation. Uh, so Ali, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, Ben. How is everyone? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. I know uh, we first met at the accessibility roundtable, and I knew I had to get you on the episode. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. So, yeah, before we get started on a, a nice little conversation, I would just like to ask you to to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell about your your experiences and your identity.
1: Um. So yeah. So I'm 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 Ali Khalil. I, I you know, I I work here at the CNIB as a program lead of uh, Come to Work Alberta. Um, I've been uh, I I've been a I've been visually impaired since I was about seven. Um, when I w- you know it happened so fast, I it was in a span of a week where I, I noticed my my vision was getting worse to the point where my teachers start noticing and and back in the day you used to write your Uh, your homework and your agenda and and all that. And it reached a point where I was right at the board and I was, you know, writing and I was still having a tough time. And so, you know, my, my, my teacher uh, called my, my parents, I went and seen the doctor and, you know, it took a while for them to figure out what was, uh, what my condition was. Uh, But at that time they said I was declared legally blind and I lost about 75 to 80% of um, my, um, central vision oh wow it, that was that was just quick it just happened it eh? it just happened because um, it was genetics right it, it my, you know i i come from a big family uh you know seven sisters one brother mm-hmm. all seven of my sisters have twenty twenty vision me and my brother are the only ones from the family that have um star guards. Mm-hmm. and my brother it was it, it was um at birth they knew that he was visually impaired. I I was it hit me when I was about seven years old at school, um, and uh, yeah, I remember. I I can't you know remember having twenty twenty vision like I had. I was able to to see it, but it, it it's been so long now. It's been over you know twenty plus years, and and I can't recall it. But yeah, when I was seven, I still remember that week like it was yesterday actually because that's like that, that it's just something that was so traumatic. It just you, you just, you never forget it because that's when your, your, your life changed, right? You, you had to, uh, relearn everything, adapt, find new tips and tricks to, to navigate the world at large. Right. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I totally feel you because even with myself having RP, mine was acquired. And when I was younger, I I didn't even know I was visually impaired. Like I was told by a doctor, but because I was still running around and catching a football and playing basketball, I was like, nah really like <laughs> i don't think i am right so i i i could
1: uh see where you're coming from for sure yeah and you're always constantly in denial like i remember it was such a tough pill to swallow i'm not gonna sit here and say like oh yeah i coped with it overnight it, i tried to um hide from the world that i had a disability for for you know when i was in junior high and in high school it wasn't until you know um Life slapped me in the face and I had to wake up and do something about it. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just going through certain experiences where I reached a point where you know life is life doesn't happen. Nothing is given to you on a silver platter, you gotta work mm-hmm. for it. And 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 that was a, a tough lesson I had to learn right after high school. So
0: oh, very true, very true. So even to ask you like your relations of your other identities with your site loss, how was that like if you could tell us about your your other identities. Yeah, so
1: you know, um, uh, it's a bit different. So you know, my parents uh, uh, grew up in Lebanon, and in the late '70s, they immigrated here to Canada mm-hmm. to give me and my 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 siblings um, a better life, right? But there was just a lot of things that you know, like I identify with the Arab, Arab culture and the Lebanese culture, and then there's the the Western culture, right? And and I at first it was you know what 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 separates the two is i always say like one made me strong the other gave me opportunity Um, and with with like the arab culture you know it's not like here in canada like in lebanon people are very direct oh you're visually impaired what can you see how much money do you make like things that you know if you asked any random any random person here in canada they would find offensive uh, they, they would take offense to it so uh there like when i was in lebanon and i you know i was visually impaired my my people made it made me feel like i was i was disabled they you know they would come up to me and put their fingers in my face and, and things like that and and you know it, i'm not gonna sit here and lie you know i, I was kind of it, it hurt you know mm-hmm. people wouldn't play soccer with me you know because they thought i was going to get hurt they didn't want to be responsible and you knew like the kids wanted me to play but their parents would tell them this was in lebanon that oh mm-hmm. no like if something happens to him you're gonna get blamed and then i remember like i went to school in lebanon and uh my cousins my older cousins would would come to my house and they wouldn't let me walk alone because they, they they thought i couldn't i wasn't able to um and it's it's so
0: interesting because you have here in canada where that's almost seen as like we, we look for inclusivity and then you have back in lebanon as you were making mention it's like no he he doesn't belong and as blunt as it is it's that's just the way it is <laughs>
1: yeah it's it's it it it, it is and, and 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 you know what like my parents are from a small village you know what I mean? Not mm. every, like 90% of them are not educated. So now as as I get older, I understand it's just, that's, that's just their norms.
0: Back in my uh country, parents' country of Ghana, it was exactly like that. Like people would wave their hand in your face and that'd be normal. And
1: here it's considered like bullying. Yeah. yeah and, 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 uh, but you know what I mean? It's, it, it, and that's where, identifying with two cultures you got to learn how to adapt and switch between between them right um, because like when I came back from Lebanon like the year I found out I was legally blind um, right after I, I was a year and I was here I was doing school here in Canada in Calgary sorry and then my parents wanted to move to Lebanon for me to learn Arabic for a couple years it's just a very common theme mm. in the Arab culture to go back to your home country and, and allow your kids to learn the the uh, Arabic language. And so I went there for about a year and a half, but I had no accommodations, you know what I mean, in school. Um and it was really hard because like they took me back a grade. Um mm. and that affected me when I came to Canada cuz I I I was I had to start from I was actually in grade 2, but I had to start back from grade 1 again because you know what I mean, they didn't know how to accommodate me instead of trying to accommodate me they just said oh no he's not ready for grade two Mm. they took me back to grade one and i remember that that, and then when i came back to canada you know i told my mama like can can you you know can i get can i be put in grade two and there was nothing they can do because Mm. the records that were from lebanon that we used showed that i was um in uh grade one and so they wouldn't let me um go to the uh they wouldn't let me uh uh they wouldn't let me in grade two so i had to stay and uh, redo mm-hmm. grade one again yeah and um that that hurt um because i was held back a year i remember that and then mm-hmm. um this is why and then when i go back to what i said that you know canada you know the the canadian culture gave me opportunity because my teachers they, they really tried to help me and they tried to accom- accommodate me. They reached out to, you know, the, the 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 Calgary Board of Education. They reached out to CNIB, like yeah. people that knew what to do and, and, and how to help me. You know, I remember one of the biggest things, like my teacher cried because I would take a small book and I'm like, look, I'm going to read this big chapter book. And she would take it away mm-hmm. from me. And she's like, no, because she knew like at the time, I'm like, why is she doing this to me but they were just waiting for those bigger those larger books to come in for it for me to be able to read it uh physically and so you know what i mean at first i took offense to i'm like why wouldn't she let me read this book but they were just looking out for me like this is going to be tough and it's going to be straining on the eyes it's going to give me a headache but this was the first time going from lebanon like where there was no accommodations and like wrote me off and sent me back to grade one but when i came back to canada this is where they got Every all the right parties involved, and this is where you know I felt accommodated. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there was there was a lot of things, but then there was limitations because then as I grew, as I I start you know um going to grade three and grade four and grade five, there's certain discussions that were being that were 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 that teachers were having with me that you know pretty much like stay in your lane and don't mm. go out of oh, your comfort circle, and so-so. I. And I remember I was 13. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you, and this is why I say like the Arab culture made me strong. Mm. I remember my dad refused to, it, you know, he refused to to admit that his his two sons had vision loss. Mm. Right. It, it just he, it just was such a blow to his pride at the time. And uh, he he just he'd be like, no, go get a job. And so when yeah. I turned 14, he's like, no, go get a job. Like follow your friends. Just don't let it get the best. Of you. He just wouldn't believe. It. He's like, no, you could do whatever yeah. uh, a sighted person can do. So, even with
0: that said, uh, wow, powerful story for sure. With that said, uh, though, looking at your gender as being a male, uh, and racialized as well, and part of like the the Muslim culture, do you think that it was almost more of a sense of like masculinity? Like pushed on you compared to a, a person maybe who's just a white person.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Like my dad, you know, and in, in the Arab culture, there's like a checklist of that you have to check off in life if you're you're if you're a boy or a man to mm-hmm. to 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 claim that status. I'm a man, you know. Like, you know, going to graduating uh, high school, going to post secondary you know, getting your degree, finding a good job, getting married, buying a house and having kids. Like once you've checked all those boxes, you're a man. Right. And then like my dad, I knew my dad, he loved me. He was just trying to t- motivate me. But at the same time, there was still like that. No, you're a man. Mm-hmm. Like he he said, go, go get a job. Not. And and I was saying to my dad at the time, like, you know, what? Dad, like I can't see the application stuff. He's like, no, follow your friends and stuff you know, he told me, but there was no, like, he didn't, there was no actions to his words. Like, he just told me to do it, but it made me strong. Like, I, it was a lesson I need, I needed to learn at a young age. And it, it made me into the person I am today. But I followed my friends, you know, you network, right, to get that opportunity. And I remember my, my friends were all applying to the saddle dome, the Home mm. of the Flames. And mm. my friends, you know, knew I was visually impaired, and they helped me with the application. And so, the only thing I told them not to check off was, you know, uh, ca- or to check off was cashier that I wasn't able to do it. Yeah. And then I got the job. That was my first job. And it was, it was, it was in Oh four. And it was yeah. when the flames were, were, were killing it. They were, you know, they, they made it all the way to the very end. They almost won, won the cup, but you know. I I, I got to admit, I'm more of an Oilers fan. So I'm, I'm... fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that's, a, that's another discussion for another day. But. <laughs> I worked that whole season and I helped in the concession stands and stuff. And I was able to do it without disclosing my disability. Mm. But honestly, if I didn't learn that lesson, it just, I wouldn't be able to advocate for myself. That was like one of the biggest things my dad um, taught me is that, you know, like life, you know, life, you know, nothing's given to you in this life Mm -hmm. and nothing, nothing, you're, you're not given anything on a silver platter you know, you want something done, do it yourself, because you can't rely on everyone, like people support you, people will guide you, Mm. at the end of the day, it's how, it's how much you want it.
0: Exactly, Um, and I, I totally can get what you're saying, brother, like, even me as a a male as well, black male, entrenched in the the Ghana culture with my parents, that whole thing where it's a double-edged sword, I like to say, where it, it instills that toughness in you, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, you have these expectations of what a real man is like. Like what a real man is like. So I remember even like playing sports with my my brothers. And I don't know, I'd get hit in the face with a football or basketball because of my sight loss. I didn't I didn't see it coming, right? Yeah. Even though like sometimes I'd catch it, sometimes I wouldn't, right? And getting hit, knocked, fall to the floor and as a as a man, you're not supposed to cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's not there. Like no Ghana, even black men. Why why you cry? Like be a man, be a man, and all this stuff, right? And it is here in North America, but I feel like when it does come to that cultural aspect of what you're saying, the Arabic culture, uh, the the Ghana culture, the black culture, even the brown culture, it's like no nah, that. No, your dad will be like, no, you shouldn't be crying. What, what is wrong with you, you know?
1: And, and yeah, I totally agree with that because um, I remember uh, same situation, you know, like when playing sports. Um, I remember I wasn't paying attention and we were playing baseball and it was due to my vision. I was like, I was right behind uh, the person that was uh, up for bat. And he actually, when he was swinging back, he smoked me in the, in the, in the forehead. Hey. Right, but like, <clears throat> I remember like my teacher running up to me, and like automatically assumed, how, like, like she blamed that person, mm. and 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 like. And she blamed it on my vision. She's like, oh, Ali's visually impaired. You gotta be careful mm. when you're playing around him. You know what I mean? Like it was automatically his fault. But at the, at the at the same time, I'm the one who got too close to him. Yeah. And I had enough vision. But like it just I I that was one of the things too, is that, that per that that person got blamed for something he wasn't aware of. Like he didn't know I was visually impaired at the time. Like that's what I mean. Like I I always wanted to keep it a secret. I didn't go out of my way to tell people. It was still at the time where I was coping with my disability. I remember my teacher seeing it and I I started crying because I took a a bat to the forehead Mm. and he got blamed for it. And he got in trouble and it turned into this big thing. Um where the parents got involved and stuff, but I felt so bad because it wasn't his fault. Like I wanted to share blame. But it did like I'll be honest, I was I was like fourteen. At the time, I wasn't gonna go out my out of my way to admit like it was my fault. Things were already uh, in play, and the parents were involved. And then and and this 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 peer of mine was getting in trouble for something he didn't know. Like he didn't know I was behind him. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of ran and I put my head. Yeah. right behind uh his bat and he was just warming up and and you know it just it just happened it was an accident you know with kid mm-hmm. but like just how everything um unfolded after that was crazy and it, and, it, and, it, and that was one of those lessons you learn where you're like um and then my dad got mad at me because i was crying you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you said it's just like no you got to be a man you got to be strong it's like i took a bat to the forehead yeah you know it's like, like, <laughs> like i'm 14
0: and but- it's almost like half my skulls hanging out from my head and y'all yo, you're telling me not to cry you know? <laughs> oh. and,
1: yeah. and it just made me more aware it's like I need to be careful like yeah it, it was the first time I acknowledged I was visually impaired as an individual
0: yeah. because in that
1: situation I was like I need to be careful because whatever happens to me because I have a disability sometimes that blame is going to be put onto the next person
0: yeah and um it, it It's to interrupt, but it makes me wonder because you, uh, made mention that time you, you realize, okay, I'm visually impaired. I have to, to be more careful. And with that said, that's almost a sense of vulnerability. That's a sense of, okay, I'm understanding that I can't do certain things and vulnerability. Sometimes that's associated with weakness, which is not true, but did you ever feel that having to admit that you had sight loss, you had to contradict being that tough guy where you have your dad, you have any male in your life being like, you have to be tough. You you can't ask for help. No, no. like you, And then you're visually impaired where you do have to sometimes ask for help. Right. So how did that contradiction feel if you did feel contradicted?
1: I did. And so when I was telling you earlier, I I came to my senses after I finished high school where I coped with my disability, Mm. but going through that realization was that transformation. You have to be vulnerable for change, right? Like when you're always trying to be the tough guy and you have a disability, you, you, your mindset and your persona towards life is you don't want to ask questions. You don't want to, you don't want people to help you or guide you or support you, but you become your own barrier essentially.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the life that you want to live. And so I realized that like when all my friends were, you know, working these, these jobs where they were, getting paid $25 and I was working a job making $8 an hour. Right. I said, school's my, my, my key to, to make that kind of money. Mm. Um, and there was that motivation, but at the same time I had to figure myself out. I couldn't just go in, um, quote unquote blindly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so I, so what I did was I, I had to do a lot of self-reflecting. I, I, I had to be vulnerable and I had to have conversations with people that um, that have walked the journey before me. You mm. know what I mean? Like there was, there's like my brother was, you know, he helped me a lot with coping with my disability. And my brother taught me how to be vulnerable. He's like, if, if you're not going to ask questions and, and allow others to help you on your journey, you're not going to make it far you know what I mean? And that's a lesson he taught me. And and that's something I had to, to deal with. Because like you said, my whole life, I had, to, I was so ashamed of my disability. But mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my roots wanted me to be a man, they they wanted me to be that tough guy. And, mm-hmm. and I couldn't, you know, be vulnerable. But like, after me and my brother, you know, he he went to school, and he walked that that journey with vision loss before me, he was he honestly he helped me a lot. And I would. Thank God for him because he told me how to be vulnerable. And then once I, I I coped with my disability and made it a part of my identity, and I was able to be vulnerable, I didn't make it my whole identity. Just made it a part of my identity, right? Yes. And I start seeking help. You know, I start reaching out to individuals on LinkedIn you know and then taking information that was given to me by like you know my my counselor at at post secondary and, mm-hmm. and i remember my first two semest- uh, semesters were horrible because mm-hmm. i didn't understand what technology i needed to be successful like i would always try to like find the smartest person like that was my approach and then hopefully they would help me but like once you know the, the and then I, I i one of the accessibility advisors like you need the right equipment and so um my brother's like get an ipad and a mac
0: yes oh man
1: that changed my world yes that that allowed me to build my skills and like understand how important technology was because like when you're in the school or like when you're in post-secondary like a lot of it is is you doing the work you know you can get help but like you need to put in that effort it's not like high school anymore where the teachers will still be running after you kind of thing exactly
0: and even it's so many points you highlighted and I'm I'm just going to kind of go back on some of the points you made mention the one point I really really like and love that you brought up is something that I could even relate to as well Um, men in education right like you have the the mindset where it's like Oh, to be a real man, and even racialized men, they go into the trades, right? They're they're doing mechanics, electricians, plumbers, fixing stuff up. And sometimes, what you even said with your your buddies making twenty five dollars an hour, and you were saying you were making that amount, and you're like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna decide to go to school. Which, I don't I don't want to sway any of our listeners, but. As a person with sight loss, school is is important to have those extra credentials, right?
1: exactly and school teaches you like skills you need within the the workforce how to research how to be patient builds on your communication skills it allows you to see what technology you need that Mm -hmm. complements your 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 eye condition and your skill set to be to be able to thrive in any environment you're placed in yeah and really tests it tests you as a person to find yourself and find what you need to be successful in certain areas
0: of course and then it proves to employers like point blank, like there's going to be employers who have assumptions about people with sight loss and misconceptions. But when you could say, I have this bachelor, I have this degree, I have this diploma, I have whatever, you're kind of proving to them, okay, you know what, I do have sight loss, but I have the credentials to back it up. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. And, um, and, and like, honestly, school does more for an individual than they know. Especially with with vision loss, like all my skills that I have today and that I've built on uh, throughout uh, working at CNIB was because going through those experiences at school, you know what I mean, like sitting down with an accessibility advisor, they don't know what your accommodations you need, you need to talk it out, you know what I mean, you need to talk with your teachers of to guarantee your success like this, this is where I'm having trouble. Can you help me? Right? um and exactly. the worst thing they could say to you is no but it's it really shows what you're capable of, uh, of as an individual how far are you willing to go to fulfill your dreams and i'll be honest with you there was like to complete an essay sometimes i would see my friend and he have it done in two days uh, like his I research that. yeah <laughs> you know, his research would be done in a day yep. and he would have it done the next day it was just it just and and honestly a lot of it is because he was fully sighted i yeah. had to i had to large things at eight times and get zoom text to read things search google scholar and then the library
0: mm-hmm. uh, website that wasn't
1: really you know accessible at the time you know mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. um, and they just highlight through one page of uh, article they get the information you have to go through everything and re listen to everything so i know <laughs> hands down yes i ah it just gives me like yeah, <laughs> shivers right now thinking about that whole process. Uh, a question I, I want to ask you, and I, I know I keep jumping back in your story.
1: No worries, go ahead. And
0: even just in general, like just men racialized, you made mention, I, I believe you made mention on sometimes compensation for, for that vulnerability of having sight loss. Mm-hmm. So even an example for myself, I remember in high school, I used to try and dress tough, you know what I mean? I try to be tough, like the pants, the cap, the whatever. I guess people would say I try to dress like a thug, right? Because I knew with my sight loss, I had to somehow like compensate and be like, okay, I'm still tough. I'm still a tough guy. Did you ever have to experience that in any way, shape or form?
1: Oh, yeah. There was one time in in grade 10, um, I got into a fight. And and uh, it was like uh, you know the school I went to wasn't the greatest. Yeah. So, you know, very the probably the worst part of Calgary. I went there. Um, and uh, yeah, there was like a full out brawl in the rotunda. I remember? And I took a I took a baton to the nose. Mm, you know what shoot. I mean? And yeah. I remember I didn't even want to be a part of it. I was I was scared. Uh, I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you. But my friends they're like oh you know they they start calling me names and stuff and I got involved. Like I said, sometimes you know, you gotta be aware of your surroundings. The first two steps I I took in in into that fight, I took a a, a baton to the nose, mm. and I broke my nose. I remember, and I was you know, it, it it's it's, yeah, you know what I mean. That sometimes you had to have that tough persona because at the end of the day, you were scared of being vulnerable. You were scared of people seeing seeing that you're visually impaired, like from my experience, I was always scared of people finding out and not accepting me for who I am.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I thought it was just like, a. I just, I I just did, didn't want people to know, but it was so obvious. Like you'd look at me and my eyes would be looking the other way, yeah. you know, something was up and it would, it would, dis, it, it would, it, it would disclose that I was visually impaired from the get go. You know, yeah. people, you know, people, you know, in, in high school used to call me crazy eyes. Like, I, I see through my peripheral. So, I like, I'll tip my face to the side to to see more detail from the corner of my eye. And people always used to be, like, they would call me crazy eyes and stuff like that. And, it, and that stuff hurt. But, like, I'd rather them just call me that than not actually know that I'm visually impaired yeah. or know what I actually had.
0: And that brings up something so interesting as well. So, we're talking about, I guess, this racialized masculinity and kind of uh, being a man from our perspective, whereas you being... Um, Middle Eastern, me being a, a black man, it was almost where my eyes did go everywhere, right? So to the general public, it's like, yo, just like you, crazy eyes. And I still remember being, going to Toronto once and I was with a bunch of friends and they kind of went ahead of me and I, I walked very slow. I didn't use a cane at that time, right? So I was just walking, observing Toronto. And I remember it was these two, two black dudes. And I was looking at one of the guys' shirts. I was like, that's a really nice shirt because it was all graffiti. And not knowing, my friend had to tell me after, they were following me. They wanted to fight me because they thought I was giving them a dirty look. But I think because I was nonchalant about it, they're like, whoa, this guy's crazy. <laughs> He's not reacting, you know what I mean? So, like, it's those experiences that you're making mention where people sort of fear you too they don't want to say oh like maybe he has sight loss or is something wrong they just kind of assume like yo, look at this guy trying to be tough or whatever yeah. i'm not messing with this guy he's this this and this you know
1: it was you know and and i i totally yeah like in grade 10 and 11 i tried to have that persona you know yeah. like tough guy it wasn't until grade 12 is till i kind of finally got my act together because I was like on the verge of not walking the stage and graduating and Mm. that scared me like like in my head the way my parents would like don't go to school for 13 years and not graduate and like that was always embedded in me at a young age like you need to graduate high school because like I remember like a high school diploma back in the day early you know back in the day was like it was it was it was highly regarded in my culture for some reason like if you if you went to high school and graduated you were probably like one of the smartest individuals within the community like i remember it was taken like that and so um my parents made it seem like if i didn't graduate then i would bring shame to them and it was just it was an element of being a male too that they wanted to 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 say oh yeah my son graduated you know, it, was, it, was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was one of those things on that checklist I mentioned that I I had to accomplish for me to be a man within my culture.
0: It's uh, yeah, I could yeah, <laughs> it's it's those things for sure, for sure, man. I'll, so I have a, another question. I don't want to fully veer away from like education and role models and experiences, but relationship wise you being a racialized male how was that kind of with that role of I have to be a man when I'm in a relationship because was that ever something that you had to deal with or
1: no like yeah you know playing that part to a certain degree I think my biggest issue is actually like my my vision loss you know what I mean like mm it's not like it was, it was, it was being visually impaired it was in any relationship was, it was a big part, but it, it, and like you said, there are elements at first when you're getting to know someone, um, especially like, I remember like I would get to know, you know, certain uh, women from my, 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 that were, were Arab. Yes. And like the, the, the way they grew up is kind of the way, the same way I grew up is that you want to find someone that can support you right and so once they like in every relationship once they figured out i was visually impaired that was always the issue it's like he's he's defective Mm -hmm. i don't know how he's gonna support me right so it was always that vision loss that was like okay a man has to be a man but before it even got to that point of me proving myself my vision loss was the, the the thing that would always come into play who's Mm going to drop me off at the grocery store who's you know what I mean and those questions always asked so it was always like you know having a conversation about my vision loss and how if we were to move forward in a relationship how are you gonna support us how are you gonna be a man and then that's when those questions would come into play
0: yeah and that's a great example like even like I was making mention in the Ghana and the black culture, it's like, uh, what are you going to come pick me up? You know what I mean? And and I find even dating someone who, who does have sight loss, you have that urge of, okay, when they're on the same level as you too, and they experience sight loss, you have that urge of like, I got to be a man still, I got to protect you, you know what I mean? Because it's been so embedded in us by a culture where it's like, the man has to do this, the man has to be this, the man has to to be the protector Mm -hmm. that you, you start to (laughs) kind of get lost in it again. Right. I
1: I don't know about you though. I a hundred percent agree, but like in my experience, it was, it was, I always had that mindset. I need to support, you know, if I want a family, if I want a relationship, I need to be able to, to play that role as a man, you know, but the, the biggest thing was like, before I can even get to those conversations or even think that I was capable of doing that for someone, um it was always my vision loss that was always at the forefront yeah you know and 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 you know any relationship i've ever been in before you know i always had that element like i want to be the man and this and that but before i can have conversations to explain how things would be if we proceeded it was always with my vision yeah the downside like how are you going to do this how are we going to do this how are we going to do this you know what i mean like it would get to the point how are you going to play with your kids and it's just to me it's the it's it's people just getting overwhelmed and not and they're not willing to educate themselves on the matter but it would always they would be always thinking like how about this happen how this happen? and it always didn't end well it would always lead to the point where this person doesn't accept me as a whole because Mm. my vision loss is a part of my identity that always came second though like you know being able to provide because I, I didn't have a chance to ever explain how I would go about it.
0: Yeah, well, even with that, sometimes that even psychs you out from getting to that point of planning how I'm, I'm going to be to be the man, right? Yeah. Because even looking back, hindsight 2020, looking back was sometimes in society, we have these expectations of what a, what a man is like. And even in our, our cultures, we're embedded what a man is like, right? But sometimes, just like we were saying with vulnerability, sometimes it doesn't even matter. Sometimes showing your vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man or any, in my case, a black man and your case, a Middle Eastern
1: yeah, male,
0: I totally right? agree
1: with that, yeah.
0: So it, it's just such an interesting concept that even shout out to like the young people who are listening to this. I, I really hope that you're able to learn from these experiences of me and Ali because it's like education is important. Being vulnerable is important. You don't necessarily have to be the tough guy because guess what? You're the tough guy. Just one strike and and you go flying and you don't see it coming, right? So sometimes you just have to step away. You know what I mean? So that kind of leads me into the next question, Ali. So what advice would you have for for young men who grew up in the same culture and religion as yourself, what would you give them? Uh,
1: I would say be true to yourself, be willing to, to be vulnerable, you know, and, and if someone's going to help you, let them in, you know, ask questions because everybody, it doesn't matter for all the billionaires in the world whether it's, you know, Bill Gates, um, Elon Musk, they all had mentors and asked questions to get to the point they've reached, right? And, and you need to be able to, to, to cope with your disability, make it a part of your identity, and, being, and, and, and and be willing to go that extra mile and to live that life you want. There ha- that work has to be done you know you can't go from zero to 100 real fast you need to enjoy the ride there right you need to enjoy that 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 in between and i think a lot of people forget that because their life gets the best of them within the culture there's certain things they need to um accomplish you know you got to be a man you got to buy a house and stuff but you know like i say like it's your life at the end of the day enjoy that moment and enjoy that transformation the the alley I was in in, in 10 years ago is not the alley that's on this podcast. You know what I mean? There mm-hmm. there has that. I've evolved over the years and I've reached a point where I want to advocate and build awareness around vision loss, you know, to 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 make change, to, to have these, these dialogues. So, you know, like I said, is is being be willing to be vulnerable and 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 cope with your disability. And I'm not saying that it's gonna happen overnight, but work on it. And eventually, mm-hmm. you'll learn to accept yourself and love yourself and, and move forward.
0: Uh, Lee, uh, Lee, wise man. Wise words from a wise man. You're poetic, too.
1: Wow. I try, I try. I try. No.
0: <laughs> I, I love it, but honestly, you got to make an album. You know what I mean?
1: I, I need someone to beatbox in the background.
0: You know? <laughs> well, we'll get Kia. There we go, because yeah. I, yeah. I beatbox it. But no know what? That's besides the point. Ali, we are running out of time. And I just want to say thank you so much for your insight, man. Honestly, I'm so glad I, I reached out to you for this episode.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me, Ben. And I, I really appreciate it. I love building awareness around the community. And if, if my journey can help someone, some individual with, with vision loss out, um, I'm happy. You know, even if it's one person, if they can relate, it's great.
0: What a great conversation that I had with Ali. It was good to highlight those barriers and those those issues for individuals who do live with sight loss and who are racialized males because it's uh, a different scope. Uh, so I really enjoyed uh, our conversations. I hope to get him back on the show one day and if you like today's episode don't be afraid press subscribe and you could get notifications to uh, any new episode that is coming out on any of your preferred platforms and then also if you like the conversation of diversity and inclusion and intersectionality in regards to sight loss please visit the CNIB website And we have a diversity and inclusion page with a bunch of resources. It also has a podcast and many videos that you can explore. So uh, once again, thank you for tuning in to The Lens Living Diverse. I was your host, Ben, and you have a fabulous day. Peace.